everyone, welcome back. And what a treat, what a day, what a couple of few days and, and still ahead of us, a day and a half. We have a, a wonderful session next. I see we're going to ask Megan to start our camera. And uh, when we put this panel together with Paul and John, one thing that was very important to us was like, you know, what is really cool about racing is just going as fast as you can. So what if we kind of figured out a way of putting a panel with the spirit of no rules, no limit, just bam, you go. And, uh, and that's kind of the idea of this wonderful panel. So on to you, John Kilroy, to tell us a little bit, you know, what happened earlier today, what we can expect, and then we'll uh, uh, add it to Paul Fanner, who's going to be moderating this wonderful panel. So John, on to you. Okay, later today, we're gonna have Francis tell the story of when he was a young man and he took his father's car out for a drive, a fast drive, and got upside down in his father's beautiful Peugeot. No, no, that's, uh, that's no, no, we can do something else. <laughs> the thing about our audience is there's people in our audience right now who are saying, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I want to remind everybody is that I want to thank all the pro account suppliers on ePartrade. So they're a big part of making online race industry week happen. We have all the suppliers around the world on ePartrade to help you source products, but we have hundreds of companies that took the next step and have built out a showcase of new products, new products for 2021, uh, technical videos, technical papers, all of that. So again, I just want to mention that ePartrade, Electronic Racing and Performance Trade, is a big part of the information sharing here, especially when it comes to the technical side, especially when it comes to new products. And I've been looking forward to this webinar uh, as we planned everything. And so I'm gonna be staying tuned uh, pretty intensely. Uh, Paul? Well, thank you, John. Uh, be before we introduce everybody, just remember, share that we're doing this to your friends, invite them in, it's free to register. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I've had so many of my friends thank us for that uh, mention. They wanna be part of this, they love what they're seeing. So this is a really interesting panel. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, racing has become uh, very different than it was when I started. Now there's a lot of spec classes, a lot of control. At, you're racing in these uh, predictable environments. Uh, some of what we're going to talk to talk about today is going to be touching on the real original spirit of adventure and uh, and just uh, uh, run you run or just go do something that's really unusual and dynamic. Uh, and I think uh, we have a, a a really interesting group of panelists today. I'd like to first introduce uh, Megan Latham from uh, uh, Pikes Peak International, uh, the hill climb. Let's, hello, Megan. Hi, everyone. Um, sound check, am I good? Can you guys You're all hear good. me? Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited to be a part of this panel and um, just, just thank you for having us. This is really a great, it's been a great week and we really appreciate it. Well, thanks. It, uh, and it's an amazing event. I've, I've been there. I've seen it, been to the top. Uh, uh, the co-founder of Racer, Jeff Swart, uh, competes regularly. Uh, and I love that photograph behind you, Megan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I, I think it's perfect. It kind of tells it tells the story of Pikes Peak just with one image. Yeah, that is that's wonderful. And, and thank you for being with us. And Ron Nock, uh, president of the National Association of Diesel Motorsports. Uh, good morning, Ron. Or good afternoon. Hi, how are you? How are you doing great, today? Great, great. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, 
Uh, I read with great interest, we had a story on racer.com that uh, we collaborated with John Kilroy and getting up on our site as well earlier this year in the beginning of April. And I read with wonder what you're doing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, first off, uh, thanks for being one of the crazy ones that gone and gone out there and does something that uh, not being done everywhere else. Well, we started this over uh, 14 years ago because at the time, uh, NHRA tracks would not li- allow pickup trucks onto the drag strips yeah. and county fairs would not allow sled pulling at the local fairgrounds. So we started a sanctioning body for diesel pickups, three quarter ton and one ton pickups. And at the time we thought 500 horse was awesome. 14, 15 years ago, uh, they are now reaching 3000 horsepower. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> Look what happens when you, we get a bunch of racers working on diesel. Uh, uh, that's fantastic. We're going to, we're going to come back and talk about it because it's fascinating what you're doing. And uh, I, I just, uh, I just love the fact that somebody's doing it. Uh, and uh, I want to move on now to Marty Fioca. Uh, hi, Marty. Good hi, to see you. And Marty is, uh, among other things, uh, one of my good friends uh, and uh, co-conspirators uh, for, for more than two decades on Racer. He's written our off-road content uh, and very passionate about the sport. But he's also, he has a real job uh, as a promoter at Crandon International Raceway. It's great to see you, Marty. Well, you know, Paul, I know the, the big money that comes in from Racer, I, I have to supplement it with something. But no, yeah, I'm actually here at uh, Crandon International Raceway and in our board of champions. A room of champions actually in the boardroom and uh just happy to be here been watching the seminars all week and learned a lot and really happy that that our sport of off-road racing is is being talked about with indycar nascar and everything else which is one of the great things about even having the platform on racer it's treated with the kind of respect that it deserves the technology is proves that the speeds the 50-year history we have here at crandon 51-year history now of racing and hosting the largest short course race in the world here yeah, and it's quite an event. Uh, you know, we worked with you in, in the past year uh, in uh, kind of blowing the event up and making it more visible to the general racing public. And one of the things I've got to say that we've learned working with you over the last couple of years, there's a big off-road audi- audience out there. And uh, they're active, they share, they're passionate about the sport. And uh, we're, we're great. We welcome them onto our platform, but we really appreciate what you do for us, Marty. Well, thank you. And, and in, in terms of what the subject matter is here, yeah, since 1967, when we first started racing down in Baja at the Nora race, the very first one, it's, there's always been kind of unlimited racing. And that's kind of been a, been a, a really important part of off-road racing uh, in general, that it's still open to whatever you can come up with. And, you know, friends like Dave Kolb have actually extended that beyond to a new, a new version with the Ultra 4 cars and the 4400 class. But unlimited racing is part of the deal. And it's going to stay, I think, part of the DNA in this sport for a long time. Well, I'm grateful for that because I love that. That's uh, one of the things that attracted me. The first race shop I ever walked into, too, was Bill Strop Enterprises in Long Beach. So, uh, you know, I, I just uh, I love seeing the fact that that original spirit still still uh, exists. And I, I, I really also like things that stand in contrast to the pattern of, of motorsports in a greater sense. You Every one of the things we're going to talk about today has is really contrasting to the rest of the world of motorsport. Um, and which brings me to Dave Cole. Uh, good, good afternoon, Dave. How you doing, Paul? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you, Dave. And, and uh, first off, uh, uh, I don't have my mind blown very often. I've uh, been around racing for uh, 
47 years, but uh, uh, I've been to two of your events the last two years and uh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's your goal. Wow, Uh, that's all I can say. Uh, I but just unbelievably thrilling to see this and see the culture around what you're doing and the energy, and just it's it's a beautiful thing, Dave. I got to say that. I think a lot of that that cultural kind of feel base is based around the fact that this is really just men and women going back to the garage and tinkering and come up with whatever they can to to win the day. And so for, for me, it was no brainer. It was, it, you know, go race, go build anything you can. But quite honestly, it was also a, just a very simple component of following a basic rule. Don't make a rule you can't enforce. And I'm not going to go tearing apart motors and I'm not going to go doing a bunch of stuff that is really, it's just all you're doing. Every rule you make is just another way for a guy to cheat. So if you take away the rules <laughs> and say, go, go, go race as fast as you can, then that's what you end up with. Okay, I think we're going to make a T-shirt with that uh, slogan on it, uh, with your with your name underneath it. Uh, uh, but that's great, and uh, you know, I I think the uh, beyond just the subject of this uh, seminar today, you know, uh, I, I went to your event uh, in uh, 2019, and then it was one of the few events I was able to go to this year. 2020 you know, the world came crashing down, and. Uh, it looked like the pop, it, it had grown by it looked like 40, 50%, it seemed like, in terms of the radius that the, everyone was parked out from the center of the event. It had, I, I was shocked at how much it had grown. Uh, what do you attribute that to? I think everybody, you know, but, uh, what do you attribute that to? I really think it is because our, our focus of our events isn't even the race. Um, we want people to come enjoy themselves, enjoy the lifestyle, Go out, go wheeling with their families, go go have fun. Oh, uh, we're gonna borrow the dirt for about five hours today to do some racing. If you want to watch, cool. If you yeah. don't, we'll see you at the campfire later tonight and we'll hang out. And turns out, for the most part, the racing is pretty exciting and people dig to watch the racing. But we'll give them an opportunity. Um, I mean, imagine if you could go to India and as soon as the race ends at India, you get to go peel out around turn one. There'd be a yeah. lot more people at India. There was if there was a line there was a line at the bricks to go peel out around turn one after the race. There'd be even more than 400,000 people there. Well, that's so that's, all we, that's all we offer them as a place to go peel out. And when I watched that happen, I had no idea it was going to happen. And I said, what's this? And somebody explained it to me. And I thought, Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more people just driving Jeeps than there is driving race cars. So yeah. Yeah. But I also noticed there were a lot of kids with RC cars playing with toy cars in the dirt. Everywhere I went, there were young people. Lots of kids, lots of young people, totally uh, into it. This they they wanted to belong to this moment in that sport. So that's fantastic on your part. I one of the most impressive things I've seen in uh, in a very long time. So let's go back full circle uh, up up to Megan at uh, to you know the one of the first kind of events I ever saw in my life that captured my imagination uh, was Pike Peak. It uh, I, I remember just being in awe of what it represented and. Uh, the challenge and uh, the beauty of it. Uh, and Megan, can you tell me, uh, 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 you know, basically the philosophy behind what you do and then this kind of wide open, no rules mentality, but you know, wh- where are your boundaries uh, and, and what you allow and don't allow and what's the mindset uh, when you go to Pikes Peak what, as a competitor um, and what do you want to have happen there for, for, the, for the business? 
Absolutely. Um, so I think one of the things about Pikes Peak is just the uniqueness of it. For anyone that's seen it, or if you haven't seen it, the minute you do see it, you're just sort of blown away. Um, there's this opportunity to have one shot at the mountain. And I think that that's the, the biggest thing is that separates us from a lot of other tracks and a lot of other races around the world is the competitors have one shot. Um, we don't own our venue. It's a, it's a toll road owned by the city of Colorado Springs. So uh, from an operations standpoint, it gets very tricky um, from that standpoint, but all of the practice is done in the mornings before the roads open to the general public. So the competitors truly don't see the full course until race day. And I think for, I think that's the magic behind it. And it's, it's man and machine versus mountain, if you know what I mean. It's it's racing Pike's Peak and what it throws at you. Um, we have a saying around here, it's the mountain decides. And I think that that is truly what Pike's Peak is because you never know what it's going to bring um, to the competitors on race day. And I think that that's the uniqueness of it. And then you add in the history and legacy behind it. Um, second oldest race in um, American history started in 1916. And you put all those pieces together and you just have this amazing, beautiful race that takes place on a mountain once a year, and there's just nothing else like it. Well, there's certainly not. And, and you know, approach to rules and, and classes and, and categories. I mean, we've seen some of the wildest vehicles, you know, imaginable go up that mountain. When I first started <laughs> watching, there were people driving Indy cars up the mountain. <laughs> I think it was part of the national. 2011, Olympics. they had a bunch of rock donkeys over there, too. We had 12 of them there. It was a an amazing experience. So last year there was dirt there. It was incredible. Yes, there was dirt. I, I do miss the dirt. I have to say that. Uh, but yeah, but Megan, what, what's the approach to, to uh, what you allow at Pikes Peak? Well, one of the, the missions of the organization and when it, when it all started um, in, in establishing our nonprofit status as well was for Pikes Peak to be a proving ground for new technology in, mo in the motorsport in industry. So that has allowed us a, a lot of wiggle room. Um, and I think that that's one unique thing. Over, over the last 10 to 15 years, we have tightened the rules up a little bit and tried to just not have so many divisions and so many classes, but still allow all of the competitors to, to fit in. I think that that's one unique thing about us. We have the exhibition division, um, which is sort of just a free for all for, for those um, unique testing grounds and to be able to, to see vehicles that manufacturers are, are interested in saying, hey, if we can go do this on Pikes Peak, we can go do it anywhere. I think that that was most notable a few years ago with Volkswagen. Yeah. Um, obviously they use Pikes Peak as their stomping ground to kind of change their entire motorsport or their entire um, automobile platform moving to more electronic and they use Pikes Peak and they put all their eggs in one basket and what a scary basket to put it in, but it sure did work out for them. It sure did. And uh, I think that became the fantasy car for uh, uh, many people in racing, but especially young people in racing that uh, that was a wave of maybe portends their future. And I think the other thing I, I've noticed is it's been an attractor to people from all forms of motorsport want to go there. It's like one of the, it is the Everest of racing. And, and, and for, for manufacturers as well. Uh, uh, and that's even in production level classes. What is, what is the position again for, for your point of view? Uh, what do you want in terms of manufacturer or team involvement? What are you, what are you seeking as you build this? 
So that's a great question. I, again, it goes back to the uniqueness of Pikes Peak, but we have, um, you know, the competitor that's the, that's the local person down the street that bought their car off of Craigslist that is competing at the same time they're going against a Peugeot or a Volkswagen or something that's manufactured back that's pouring in a million dollars or more more for the effort. So all at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're huge and we're grassroots all at once, which is, which is just shows the uniqueness of this event. I think for us as an organization, what we're trying to do slowly over time, obviously only getting one shot at it a year is, um, take the top time in the field and the bottom time in the field and have them be as, as tight together as possible. We want, we want quantity, um, over quality. I'm sorry. No, we want quality over quantity, if that makes sense. And we want to have the best competitors in the world out here and the best machines in the world out here and put them all together and see what they can all do at one time. And so I think, again, it goes back to the uniqueness of, you know, this last year, uh, Clint Bashholtz uh, took took home the record and he lives in Woodland Park, 20 miles um, up from where we are and on the base of Pikes Peak. And uh, so, you know, he wins one year and then um, again, you have these huge manufacturer backed efforts year after year as well. And so it's just really unique to see that on any day, it could really be anyone's race. Absolutely. And I was just struck by, you know, I, I, I will admit, I watch the onboards whenever they come up, we, uh, they're just mesmerizing, uh, and, uh, and heart stopping at times, uh, because you just, you go right to the edge of the road. I mean, it's, and you're moving really quickly, you know? Uh, many places, well over 100 miles an hour. Uh, yeah. And what I what I'm struck with is that uh, the weather changes. The that literally the atmosphere and weather is changing, and the surface is changing in terms of if it's wet, it's slick, it's snow, and whatever. I don't know uh, in, in that short a frame of time what else there is in the world where you have all that happen. Uh, and, and and honestly, honestly, Paul, it's crazy. Literally, sometimes it can be sunny at the start line and it's snowing at the finish. Um, and that that uniqueness is just it's 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 one of a kind. This past year in 2020, we were lucky enough to still hold the event with COVID, and um, we're super excited to to have the race. But we did start with a, a two hour delay due to ice on the top. So the top section had um, a lot of ice in it. We just, we needed sun for it to melt. Um, and we didn't anticipate that. The weather reports were good. The storm came in overnight. 98% of the course was fine, but there was ice at the top. And so we just waited. And I remember talking to a couple of the competitors and everyone just kind of nods and is like, it's Pike's Peak. So we started two hours late and it's Pike's Peak. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, 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 Again, I can't imagine managing all that. So hats off to you. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to come back. I have a, a couple of, uh, you know, pointed questions about this and, and about the competitive attractor that this, this venue represents. Sure. Um, but, but I'd like to go on to Ron now. And, and Ron, uh, again, you had me at hello when I read about your organization. Uh, uh, let's go back to the, you know, you talked a little bit about the origins, but uh, you're attracting a different uh, different kind of person to race uh, a diesel uh, uh, vehicle. Uh, you know, uh, what is the thing that attracts them to it? Well, these are mostly rural young people, 18 to 30 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's tough. They can pick up a used pickup truck, diesel, uh, add a few things to it, and. You know, in an old world back uh, when I was racing and uh, going to the tracks, 
they could go and get a 12 second truck going pretty easy for less than $3,500. Really? <laughs> uh, really? So yeah. you can imagine being 18, 20 years old, going to the track, going, wow, in a yeah. 7,000 pound truck, I can go 12 seconds. I yeah. mean, that feels really fast. So, yeah, they, and the launch has got to be pretty, pretty good in one of these things, right? Absolutely, in four wheel drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. I, I, I'm starting to get it. <laughs> oh, no, they, and you know, some of our uh, heads up classes. That's in an ET bracket class. So in a heads up, uh, they're down into the eight and nine seconds in a full size pickup. Oh, that is crazy. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, uh, We're talking close to almost 200 miles an hour. Again, mind officially blown. Again, that is that is amazing. Um, so uh, the you know you're 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 attracting uh, you know the right kind of age right there, which you you mentioned. Uh, but the the thing they're coming to do is you know experience that. Uh, but culturally, it stands in contrast to the direction we were just talking about electric vehicles. We're talking about uh, this world is changing. So you are you are uh, doing something very different, um, and uh, the the attractor to your audience uh is it the fact you're doing something so different or is it the experience of doing it it's both i mean these guys use their truck during the week yeah. to work i mean it's rural communities yeah. so as you know in small towns you have to drive to get everywhere you gotta have a truck you gotta have a truck and you're gonna be hauling a trailer uh going to work you're gonna work construction I mean, a lot of our essential workers are our diesel motorsports guys. Yeah. You know, they may be driving a semi during the day or using their truck during the day, but they have a diesel pickup truck. So these are rural guys. And when they, you know, work, they work hard. I mean, these guys work hard, but they have cash and they like to have fun on the weekends. And it's more of a uh, kind of a county fair family type yeah. atmosphere. They come, everybody parks, everybody looks and see what are we doing to our trucks, talk to each other, they help each other. You know, it kind of reminds me of the old muscle car days when yeah. uh, we like were young guys. Yeah. And these guys get together and they talk and they help each other and they go down the track. And a lot of them don't even know how to race. And we actually have some of our uh, experienced guys give classes uh, during the race and say, Hey, if you do this better, do this different, you can get off the line quicker or how to work the lights. So the youth of America in rural America is a great auto enthusiast motorsport audience. And they're wanting to get into performance. Plus at the same time, they're customizing these trucks. Everybody's truck looks different. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking all the accessory truck, manufacturers they're all represented at our events which doesn't surprise me and and you know you you again part of your mind-blowing uh narrative this this afternoon has been uh, the horsepower figure you quoted uh, that you're up to and and just give us a sense of uh the classing and category and and how far you let it go you know in terms of uh well, we have to we have to still keep it pretty safe we're an SFI sanctioning body so we still have to have the insurance guidelines, but you know, until the trucks get really fast, 
uh, you know, below 11 seconds, they start adding the, the safety factor that everyone else does at high speeds. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, we have to follow uh, the SFI standards. And we're pretty picky about that. I mean, if the guys show up, I mean, I could tell you stories about how they show up in some of these pickups. And I'm just, you know, we our techs are all SFI techs for diesels. And they have to go, guys, you can't go down the track like this. You got to be safe. You need to add this. You need to add that. Now, we'll bump them up a class. Yeah. And then next time around, we'll tell them, come up. And you can go faster if you have this safety equipment on. So, yes, it's got to be, uh, you know, safe. But I tell you, our guys that have been doing this a while, they know the rules. They read through our rules like crazy. They're free online. Mm -hmm. dieselmotorsports.us and uh i won't be lying when i say yes some of these guys push the envelope when it comes to the rules and especially on turbo sizes and horsepower and different classes and uh they know how to sneak anybody would do that yeah yeah can you imagine they they know how to sneak the horsepowers out of these engines (laughs) yeah they do right uh at at, uh I, I also just am a, a, you do a remarkable number of events too. So uh, that, that, that I, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm going to come back and ask you a, a couple of questions here uh, as we move around to the, the guests, but I have a, a couple more questions for you and we'll come back to you. Uh, I want to go to Marty Fioca now and Marty, uh, um, you know, you're involved in promoting, uh, uh, you know, one of the premier motorsports events in America. Uh, and uh, I want to have you give, give the audience a, a sense of the classing and what, you know, what runs there and uh, what your approach is. Well, it's, it's an interesting parallel between, let's say, desert racing and short course racing in the Midwest. I mean, mm-hmm. this all started uh, in 1970 when a bunch of guys were sitting around here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin watching Jim McKay on Wide World of Sports down in Mexico interviewing all the guys who are racing there at the Mexican 1000, you know, James Garner and Pernelli Jones and Bruce Myers and Malcolm Smith. And they said, we can do a race here. So they started doing a 25 mile loop through the forest here before eventually becoming as, as everything does, it becomes specialized. And uh, here at Crandon, the beauty of what happened, happened here for 51 years is that it's evolved, but we still run, you know, over up to probably 45 races a weekend. And it's mm-hmm. everything from, simple VW powered buggies all the way to our premier, you know, 950 horsepower pro four trucks, all wheel drive monsters that are here driven by, you know, some of the sports best. And now we've added another unlimited category here with Dave Cole bringing the 4,400 cars here the last few years. So we're actually yeah. having two, two platforms on unlimited cars and it provides the fans, you know, three days of entertainment over Labor Day and all ends when we run the pro two wheel drives versus the pro four wheel drives with split starts for a big cup race and, you know, 30 trucks on the track here at, you know, going into turn one from a land rush start where they start side by side. They only do that at Crandon and they go into turn one at 105, 107 miles an hour sideways uh, into the stadium, basically, which is a natural bowl that we built here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting event. In fact, we're going to be on, on Fox here in a couple of weeks on, as part of the Red Bull Signature Series. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a great tradition that people keep coming back to, you know, we, we're very fortunate. We did all the protocols. We worked with Road America here in Wisconsin earlier this year with ERX in Minneapolis, put our protocols in place and didn't really advertise the race Labor Day, which is our big event 
and we still had 46,000 people here over the weekend. So we probably hosted one of the largest motorsports events in North America, kind of unbeknownst to us, but it's just, that's what people do on Labor Day up here. So we were very fortunate. Yeah, you were. And, you know, obviously I was watching uh, the, the live streams you had and, <laughs> Oh my God, you have a lot of people there. I got to say, uh, it's, it's even under these circumstances, uh, very, you know, um, you know, at the scale of what you do and looking at the, the sizzle reels from prior years. I mean, it's, uh, it's a gigantic event and, and it's cultural. Yeah. I, it's cultural and, and, and like Dave's event, it's not just about the racing, you know, it comes, yeah. we have, you know, 450 acres here, uh, 2000 grass camping spots. And people come for the, the Korean experience of camping with their families. Three generations have done it now. As of last year for the 50th, we added Kid Rock as, as a musical element for, for our 50th. But we love the music side so much. We couldn't do it this year, but we're adding to it in 2021. And a lot of plans for this place now. New ownership uh, went from a nonprofit club now to a for-profit venture. And uh, a lot of plans. But yeah, it, 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 I've been around motorsports a long time and off-road racing pretty much my whole life. But there's nothing kind of more organically special than watching those 900 horsepower pro fours here at Crandon and seeing the crowd just go crazy every year, all the time. And, and talk, you know, we're the, the, the topic of this uh, is, you know, what tactical, tactical innovation isn't cheating. You know, what is the appeal of these virtually unlimited, you know, just the stuff of dreams when you're, when you're looking at the top categories here, they're really impressive. I mean, uh, yeah, they yeah. are. I mean, we're, we're, if you don't know, you don't know. But if you're really dissecting these, like, let's say the Pro 4s are all-wheel drive, you know, the motors are limited in size, but you have everything from big block Chevy-type powered motors all the way to, you know, NASCAR-style pushrod Toyotas like in the Grease. The sounds are different. The exhaust sounds different. All driven now mostly through X-Track sequential gearboxes. You know, there's all kinds of differential splits in the front diffs with CV joints. It's a in all full electronic data acquisition, Motech dash. You know, these trucks are, you know, four to five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they're spaceships. Or they really are. <laughs> they are. I mean, yes, they, they, it's funny because they, they still go out and bang doors and it's it's you know, it's it's still a tube chassis, but there's a lot of work being done on, on wheel travel. Brembo, you know, all the way up to Brembo brakes, the axle technology in terms of making that live. I mean, they're 20 minute sprint races, but it's, it's, it's as hard on a, on a truck as, you know, five hours in Baja, frankly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how the, the unlimited part has evolved, just like the desert racing. I mean, you know, you, who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago, we were spending $800,000 on all wheel drive, you know, desert trucks, trophy trucks, but that's what it's evolved to. And thankfully it does, because people still have creativity to build what they want do what they want. They, they think mid-engine, front-engine, all-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, this engine, turbocharging, it's all kind of open. And it, you know, talking to a lot of industry people, they love coming here because they just like seeing kind of this unrestricted space where, you know, I think it's interesting though with this whole category, Paul, I thought about this morning, what's, what the cap is here for the most part is that in Dave's case and in, in, in most of off-road racing, it's, a, it's still a very fun enthusiast driven hobby kind of it's not factory money so the, yes there's lots of money in it but it's not millions and millions of dollars in the wind tunnel money so that mm -hmm. kind of provides the cap but the thrill of it all is yeah it, it's all it's very visceral and it's very loud and it's very it's very um the action here is very violent because watching trucks that close where the fans are right there it, it's a great experience for a lot of people and that's what i think the attraction 
Yeah, and I think that just again seeing the dynamic action, you know, it, it's it's not just lateral, it's not just forward motion. It's you're in the air, you're you're doing all sorts of things, and and it uh, you know honestly, it's not boring for a second. You know, I, I can tell you that there are a lot of races I watch that are boring for hours, and then they're exciting. This is never boring. What's interesting this year, though, the Champ Off Road Group, which is the group that, that sanctions the races here now. We brought it in last year as a kind of an experiment. They went to full, you know, live drones that are flying over the racetrack in the live feed coverage now, and, and certainly we're on the Red Bull show too, and showing the trucks from a foot above the trucks live yeah. has added a whole different experience for the viewer too. Even for me, who's been around this long time, it just looks different when you're watching these trucks from the drone and following them along. And these are not like drones. These are racing drone pilots, like professional drone yeah. racers. It, it, it shows, you know, we have a saying in California, it's bitching. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, we're going to come back to you too, Marty, and uh, talk a little more about this, but uh, it's a hugely impressive event. And uh, uh, we, our team at Racer was, you know, very, very impressed as we were when we uh, uh, first uh, were introduced to King of the Hammers by you and, and, uh, you know, you're the Pied Piper of uh, all things off-road in our world, and you, you've been you've been so devoted and so uh, passionate about it ever since I met you. Uh, and so we all thank you for that too. And uh, on to you, Dave. Uh, you know, I think you've started a lot of trouble here with all this stuff you're doing. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you about. Uh, you know, it's not just an event; it's uh, it's category uh, motorsport that you're you're creating here. Uh, what's the philosophy on technology? Hello, Dave. We have, Dave, are you there? I'm here. Sorry. I could motor race series, but I can't turn off mute. <laughs> that's, well, that's my problem too. I think we have that in common. I was just asking you. Uh, I think a lot of people that know me, including Marty, wish I had mute button a lot more often, huh, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> no comment from this end. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, so when we started out, there was no classes. It was unlimited. When we, for the first seven years of King of the Hammers, there literally wasn't a single performance rule on the book at all. Um, I like and, I, and I was adamant that we would never have classes. And it just came down to a, an economic factor of the cars got so, so fast and such a barrier to entry from a cost perspective that we couldn't replenish the ranks. We had to, we had to have UTVs. We had to have a stock class. We had to have a place for the OEMs to play. Um, we had to build an opportunity for EV vehicles to come in, which is what we're doing now. Because what we found, though, is now you've got UTVs racing in our unlimited class. And I guarantee in about two or three years, you'll have EV vehicles racing directly against 900 horsepower gas motor cars. And they'll be doing so on equal ground. There's no there's no handicap for an EV vehicle. You got to figure it out. You can't go you can't go 40 miles without putting batteries in. Well, you better sort that out then because our race goes 50 miles without a bit. You yeah. figure it out. And, and so we're, we're forcing the technology to evolve. Um, still to this day in our unlimited class, we literally have one performance rule, and that is you, you have to have your tires basically have to be able to go flat. There was some products that were being developed that basically made it impossible to get a flat tire. Mm -hmm. and, and really, for me, that was still a safety rule for me as well, because I couldn't build courses. You could go to a place like Crandon. It was like a, a sterile place to race, like it is a safe place. You've got catch fences. The course is designed correctly. 
And our guys would still be all over the place because there was no penalty. You could drive on the catch fence. You could drive over concrete walls. You could drive over anything you wanted because the cars were unstoppable. So to me, and as a fan of the racing, I wanted to embrace and support and celebrate good driving. And good driving to me was taking care of your tires. So that was the, that's the only performance we have. You, you can't run, you basically can't run bulletproof tires. That, uh, well, that, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. I don't think there's anybody else that can say that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure not. No, pretty. And I, I like what you said too, Dave, about uh, the EVs. I think one of the greatest opportunities, you know, racing is about proving things uh, ultimately. And, you know, I'm, 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 I won't say I'm not a fan of things like Formula E, certainly Extreme E. I'm, I'm really taken with it because it's an adventure and a storytelling platform. But what I like about what you're doing here is you got to go earn it. You got to go prove it up against the thing that exists now. And that's what attracted me as a person to racing. You know, I, I like seeing that evolution and the earned position that technology has by uh, proving it's a better solution. And uh, I also, one of the things I, I really was taken with when I was there is there's a layering to your culture. There's there, the side-by-sides are everywhere. And the UTVs, I mean, it's just like, and I can't help but look at them. God, I don't like one of those, you know, <laughs> you just, there's a way in at so many different levels uh, and there's a spirit to it. And what I was struck with too, is just the live stream quality and the, audience on the live stream i had somebody open up the dashboard because i was curious how many people were watching and again mind blown again it if indycar or any of these sanctioning bodies could see the dashboard on on one of your primary days uh of how many people are concurrently online uh, uh they would maybe think a little bit about what they're doing because you get a big audience we're pushed in, we're literally a few people short of 3 million unique people watching in one day last year. Yes. And that, and that's watching, watching just the 4,400 race. Uh, we were, we were doing trophy trucks, excuse me, T1 trucks and, and the desert side, we were still pushing up almost 2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, it's a pretty, and the, the, I think the thing that's cool, let's you know if going in the right direction is not just a, the marketing exercise of getting people to tune in but our average watch time is still over 47 minutes. Yeah. So, I saw that. <laughs> and that, that number is like, like two or three minutes for stuff. Like you could turn into a, or another racing series and a watch, t- a watch time will be two or three minutes. So, um, yeah, to me, you're awesome. we have quality entertainment. And I, I gotta say, uh, we, we've done a lot of brand work with racing series and we, we push back a little bit against spec racing. Uh, because the car's a competitor too, the vehicle's a competitor. It has a soul in a racing environment, uh, and the technology is meaningful. People care about it, um, and uh, we also believe uh, things that are worthy in this world now. We're in a pull uh, uh, media market where you're pulling on things you want. You, you, you it's you demanding to see it. Uh, you, you have to connect to it and watch it. And I think that uh, when I finish with you, we're going to go back to. Uh, to Megan, because that's Megan's world too. Uh, and, you know, you have this one big event, uh, you know, that gets the year going and it's a cultural gravity. Well, people are, you know, pulled to it. They have to touch it. They have to see it. They have to feel it. How much of that is the unlimited technology or how much of that is just the spirit of it that's pulling them in? I think I was just thinking about that while you're asking the question. I think the one common thread between Ron, Megan, and Marty, all the events that we're doing come like as a, as an overall is that 
the, the, the regular Joe spectator for the most part can affinitize with something that's on the race course, whether it's the guy in the pickup truck to go into Ron's events, whether it's Megan, Megan, literally, I mean, when I raced it, when I raced in 2011, I get, I raced against a twin supercharged Hudson Hornet that raced the Panamera games. And you're looking at, okay, how does a rock crawler compare to that? And listen, and then, and, and so you, you, and you can see all kinds of vehicles going up Pikes Peak that even back to the, the side that the two guys on the motorcycle, you're looking at it and go, what are we looking at here? But people can affinitize to it. Same with Marty and short course, it's pickup trucks, it's buggies, it's UTVs. The, the reason why people like, do, like our events is because they like doing things more than they like watching things. Yeah. And for everything that we're doing, we're really just giving them a little bit of an outlet to what they would look like if they were doing it. And I think that's why it wins. I mean, it's, I love Indy. I've been to Indy 13 times, but it's tough to, it's tough to rationalize that I'll ever be in an Indy car going around turn one, but I can stand next to Crandon at turn one and go, wow, that's insane. You're right. And it's such an important point you're making. Uh, Maybe one of the more important, important points that's been made in all of the things we've been talking about. Um, you know, we're moving from a world that's just uh, purely driven by, hey, I'll be Joe Couch Potato and watch this. I want to, to do hey, it. I want to go do it. And a generation that wants to go do it, which I really love. I love this generation coming in. I see so many doers and they're so knowledgeable. They can find out about anything. They start pulling. They learn. They learn by passion mm-hmm. uh, and, and interest. And, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, and I, I just, I look at, you know, my friends that have even radio controlled cars, four wheeled cars, that's just an extension of that passion. And I, I think it's a wonderful thing. And all of motorsport can learn from this, but I think you're onto something and I'll be at your event as long as I can get to your event from here on out. It really, it, it charges me up for the rest of the year. I come out of there w- really optimistic uh, uh, wow. because I'm learning a lot, but I also just see, a real culture and a real joy and, and, and a, a sense of well-being when you go move around through all the people staying late at night, having, you know, a beer with some of the people I meet there. It's just a great atmosphere and, a, and it, it makes you want to belong to it. And you're doing something great with what you're doing. And I think the technology part of it is is part of it. But overall, yeah. it's just the, the approach that's really impressive. And I want to jump from from you over to Megan, because Megan, you, you know, that uh, I think my first time I went to Pikes Peak, I went to watch uh, um, Ivan Stewart run up the mountain in the Toyota. Uh, and uh, I, I, it's one of the memories in, in my heart and my mind that will live forever watching him go by at 130 miles an hour <laughs> uh, with the vortices from the uh, mm-hmm. tunnel, just having twin tornadoes of dirt going straight up in the air 50 feet. Uh, uh, but this is an ever-evolving event you have. The media landscape's evolving. You know, but you're a gravity well, again, for culture and ambition. And you appeal particularly well to youth culture with what you're doing. Uh, you're one of the iconic motorsports events within youth culture, from what I can see. Is it the technology or is it the mystery of the mountain? What is driving that? Uh, sure. Great question. I think I think it goes back to, um, again, kind of what I said at the beginning of this is just the uniqueness of the event itself. It is there's nothing else like it. And I think you can get a, um, a 12 year old boy or girl up at devil's playground and they're up there for a practice morning and they're watching the sun come up and they're above the clouds and they get to see a race car on a, 
uh, on a road that is normally um, just open to the general public. So I think it's just things like that in the moments and the the scenery. And I think from an operational standpoint, it's just it, it's just so strange being up there. We're up there all the time, right? And it's this basically quiet. Um, it feels like nature. It feels like a mountain. And then for one day, it just turns into this festival. And then a week later, if we're up there picking up trash, it's just quiet again. And I think that goes to a lot of the draw is that there is no other venue on Pikes Peak. And we have some definitely logistical challenges and things along those lines. And, and the competitors know it too. And it kind of, it it's just really interesting. Um, you know, people always say, well, why can't you do that? And, and I'm like, well, we can't change our venue. You know, Pikes Peak is Pikes Peak. And that's just what makes it so attractive to the competitors, to the media. Um, and I think everyone can say it once, once you see it once, you're just hooked and there's just a draw to it. I, I think uh, it's also the altar of uh, uh, the high holy altar of uh, motorsports ambition to go up the top of that mountain. Uh, you know, you look at the people that want to go there and do that from all stripes of motorsport and some of the people that have gone up that mountain and they're the greatest racers have ever lived in many cases. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something they have on their bucket list. Uh, it, there's something almost religious about getting to the top of that mountain and uh, you always want to go faster, but uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I, you do this live streaming and you, you know, you have uh, you, you have a digital presence and so forth. You know, you have a one time a year event, you know, you were impacted by the pandemic, but it was a nice relief to see you have your event this year. What is the long-term strategy to leverage this? You know, are, absolutely. Are you um, to well, so you know, again, um, I think some of the one of the most exciting things we have coming up is we had 2020, and again, we were able to still hold the event with the pandemic, which was so exciting. And obviously, we didn't have our normal international presence, but um, you know, it just the fact that we were able to do it. The competitors were so thankful. Again, as you mentioned they just want to be on top and seeing those competitors during this crazy time all on top that had summited, it was a very special moment. And I think everyone could feel that. Um, and then what's really exciting is we have 2021 coming up, which will be our 99th running, but 2022 is actually our hundredth running. So here in two quick years, a year and a half, we'll have the hundredth running of this historic event. And so I think there's just a lot to um, a lot of stories till the, to be unfolded in this first hundred years. And we're excited to see what, the, what that year brings. Um, we are hearing all, all sorts of buzz already about some exciting things. And I know from an event standpoint, we're planning 2021 and almost 2022 simultaneously to be ready. Yes, I think your event has the one thing that many things don't have. You have the ability to cut, cut, cut through the clutter and, uh, and it really stands apart from everything else. And it, it, uh, it can define uh, person uh, and it can define a moment in an era and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Um, we're fans here at Racer. Uh, you know, we've, it's, I think from the first year we've, we've tried to cover this and follow it and, and, and take it seriously in, in our coverage in the magazine and on racer.com. So that, that's fantastic. I, we I appreciate to, that. Thanks. It's great, great stuff. Um, and I want to be there for the hundredth. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I hope my friend Jeff finds a way to be there for the hundredth too. I'm sure he will. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure he will too. He, uh, he I think he, he had a fun this year, but uh, it wasn't the result he wanted. So uh, 
Yeah, I know he's really competitive um, and he's a lot of fun too. Uh, thank you very much, Megan. I'm going to uh, go over to Dave um, one more time. I had, I had a question for you, Dave. Um, do you have a sense of the uh, age of your audience? Yeah, we're, we, we, we touch everything. We have kids, young kids race watching, but we fit that, that dynamic, that, that demographic of the 30 to 50 year old pretty tightly. I mean, that, that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. um, but we have a ton of, ton of young kids coming up. Um, I can think of probably seven or eight racers that are all under 16. They're right. coming along now. Um, mm -hmm. And the, and the fans follow that as well. Um, and then we have, I mean, we have 65 year old guys racing too. So the, the fans, the fans run the gamut. That gives me hope. That's good news. But thank yeah. you. That's great. That's what I, I would have expected. Thank you. I wanted to jump back now, uh, you know, to Ron here. Uh, Ron, you've, uh, you know, uh, you've officially entered the mind blowing club um, with what you do. Uh, uh, you know, you're, what is your, uh, you know, vision for going forward with this franchise you've created? You know, you've been around for a while now. Um, you stand in stark contrast to much of motorsports. Uh, uh, you know, diesel, uh, you know, diesel will be here for a while. What, what are you going to do with this in terms of the growing audience and, and uh, using this and this contrasting format for motorsports to, to build a lasting place? Well, it, it's expanding all the time because uh, diesels, are used in everyday workplaces and that's the reason our guys keep coming out it's more of a rural sport we go into more rural areas yeah but when we go into rural areas we are the entertainment for the weekend i mean that's the nice thing and we get thousands of people coming out and it's pretty much like what dave was touching on is these guys may not be able to afford everything that some of the high-end diesel pickups that are racing or sled pulling have on them, but there is something there that they can go home and go, you know what? I could probably go to my parts store and get something like that and make mine similar to that. So yeah. it's a billion-dollar business, not only in maintenance, but also on the street diesels. And they're no longer the dirty diesels of old. Uh, some of the newer diesels, I mean, they come out of the factories at almost 500 horse, 800 pounds of torque, 900 pounds of torque. So these are some nice, quiet, alert from very, very nice uh, riding. I mean, if you haven't ridden in a pickup lately, they ride as good as a Cadillac almost. I mean, yeah, they do. They feel like luxury cars. I, uh, um, I want one, but <laughs> I'm married and well, the 80 to $90,000, uh, kind of scares me. I mean, th there's a wide range. That's what I said. As yeah. young kids in rural areas, you can find you diesel use diesel pickups for as little as five to $10,000. Yeah. So, so that's a, and, and, you know, you have earned your place in motorsport with what you're doing. And, uh, uh, you know, you do have friends at Racer. We're, we're going to keep our eye on you and, and uh, continue to follow you. And it, uh, it's fascinating. I mean, I always admire anyone who can identify an opportunity. And you clearly have a lot of passion for what you're doing well, here. I appreciate it. And I appreciate ePartrade. They're actually with us at every event because I try to push uh, the platform. And yeah. we have great, uh, many of our manufacturers supporting manufacturers as sponsors 
that are on your format. And they, I send people there all the time so they can learn more about what they can add to their trucks. I have a lot of diesel shops that say, hey, what can we add that's new so we can keep going faster? Well, uh, that, that, thank you for doing that. And, and it's been great getting to know you a little bit today, Ron. And um, I want to go to my friend Marty to bring it home here. You know, Marty, you see all forms of uh, off-road racing and racing. Yeah, you've been everywhere in the racing world. Uh, what is the, the special thing about what you're doing at Crandon that sets it apart from, you know, all the other forms of racing, period? And, and what part does technology play in that, the, the nature of your technology? It's a few things, you know, it's a kind of a two-part question, right? Um, as Dave alluded to, you know, the side-by-side the -side thing here in the Midwest, in everywhere in the country, everywhere around the world is becoming a growing thing. Sure is. Yeah, our audience base doesn't necessarily jump on a Polaris high-performance long-travel razor, but they do have snowmobiles and they do have working side-by-sides and, you know, watching that as part of the deal. Um, you know, the, I think, as I always said, you know, this whole sport we have here, the off-road culture is very evergreen. It was cool in 1967. It's still cool today. It, you know, on the short course side, you know, 15 years ago, a friend of mine invented the trophy cart, which was like a miniature go-kart with wheel travel. Introduced a whole group of kids that are winning now here at Crandon, or the RJ Andersons of the world started in these carts. Yeah. Using, you know, and the Champ Off-Road Series is, uh, introducing like the 170 class for the younger kids now in Polaris is in, in a 570 class. So there's a step up, you know, that that access point is there via the side-by-sides. And it's not, it's something you can, as we've alluded to, take off the showroom, made some modifications to and go racing, uh, you know, so the access points have become much more than they used to be. The side-by-side, -side, the Raptors, those have made access to high-performance off-road driving much more accessible than let's say 20 years ago. Well, that just expands the pool of participants and passion and people that the sport touches. And that's great to see. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. And in terms of Crandon itself, I mean, short course racing has been around a long time. Uh, but what's special about it here, it's, the, it's, a, it's a purpose built facility. It's all grass except for the dirt track. And you know what, Paul, I've been to Indianapolis a lot. It's my favorite event, the Indy 500 by far. I learned from it when I was there and I treat Labor Day Crandon you know, it's all American, you know, it's, it's, it's the end of summer here. It's these folks who live around here. This is their end of summer tradition, you know, red, white, and blue America, which sounds cliche, but it works. And it's just a special place to be on Labor Day. We treat it that way. We try to elevate it above kind of to, to kind of be the locomotive for the rest of short course racing. We look at it that way, just like India's the IndyCar series. It's the same mentality I have here. Well, we agree with you and we'll treat it the same way from here on. Thank you for always being the, 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 uh, uh, the ambassador for off-road racing that you've been. You really, you do a good job of selling us all on it, Marty. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I've really enjoyed this session. I want to thank you, Megan. And I know I'm going to meet you eventually because I'm going to come to Pikes Peak. Uh, and uh, Dave, I, I, I met you briefly once. You may not remember it because I was covered with dust. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'm certainly going to see you. And Marty, I'm going to see you probably for a, a breakfast next week. Um, and Ron, I have to get to one of your events. Uh, thank you for being with us today. And uh, I really enjoyed this. And, and back to, uh, to you, John and Francis. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. What a great session. Thank you, Ron. You're a very long-time friend of Judy. So thank you for supporting us since day one. 
Thank you, Dave. Thank you, uh, Megan. Uh, you were terrific. What an honor to have you a part of this. Marty, thanks again for being with us. I think we're going to see you again later today, correct? Yes, uh, uh, later today. Yep. So stay with us. Paul, I mean, as always, what a great job you did. It was so much enjoyable. Registering on ePARTRADE is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePARTRADE as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now, and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePARTRADE.